just have to tell you, at my ancient age, I still remember VBS and it's still paying dividends. I remember the songs, I remember the teachers, I remember the Bible verses and the stories. Really, for that long ago, it made an impact in my life that lasts a lifetime. So don't underestimate the value of VBS. Well, we begin a new series today that I'm calling Speak. And I'm convinced that God speaks to people today, and we're going to talk about that. And you know that this year has kind of been an emphasis at Old North on growing up together. And if we're going to grow up together, we need to expect that God will speak to us individually and as a church. And so the rest of July, I'm going to be speaking on the ways that God speaks to people, his church today. When I was in seminary, things were much more regulated back then than they are now, at least in that seminary. We had to come to class every day in a coat and a tie. And then I would go off into Sundays in a coat and a tie. And then I went off into ministry, and for 20 years I wore a coat and a tie. I did not know how to dress casually. People had to teach me how to do that. Now I don't know how to tie a tie anymore. But anyway... But by, uh, by the way, when I went to seminary, it was so regimented that they had a seat alphabetically for four years. It was Dear Debtor Dixon. Wouldn't that be interesting if we had you come every week and set you alphabetically that every time you came? Well, that's, that's how. Now, why all of this history? Well, at the seminary in which I was trained, they kind of put in my opinion, God's voice in a box, that he could only speak certain ways. And didn't this guy sitting next to me for four years, Jack Deere, write a book called Surprised by the Voice of God? And at the time, he was on the faculty of that seminary, and he pushed the limits a little bit, and they let him go. Well, I don't agree with everything that Jack Deere said in his book, but I thought he had some good things to say. And as I speak today and the next two weeks, you may hear me go in different ways that maybe you're going to think about and say, well, that's an interesting twist on things and how God speaks. But I just want you to know that God is active and speaking and through the Old and New Testaments. And the last thing we should be surprised as the people of God is to hear the voice of God. Amen? He wants to speak to us. And so I want us to recognize how he speaks today through creation Next week, through the Word, and the following week, how he speaks through other people. Well, today I'm going to speak about that voice that God uses to speak to every single human being that's ever lived in all of history. It is creation. It is the universe. But before I do that, I want you to know some things that under... Uh, gird my preaching ministry. I've got six principles. I would, I would call them my irreducible core so that when I preach, uh, these are going to bleed through in some way. And if you've been around me long enough, you've already heard them. And if you're just new to my preaching ministry, you need to know what's underneath what I preach. So I'm going to give you these six underlying things that come through my convictions as I preach. Number one, the Bible came completely from God without error and rightly understood is in a literal sense unless the context, the context clearly indicates otherwise. Number two, God created the universe. He also created humanity by special act. That is so important. We did not get here by evolution. Number three, 
We live in an open, not closed universe. By that I mean that the world is not governed exclusively by the laws of science. God is active in the world and we should expect to experience phenomena that science can't explain and we would call them miracles. Number four, God's only plan for redeeming the human race is by the sacrifice of his son on the cross. There's absolutely no other way to eternal life, not by our good works and not by some other religious approach. Number five, God calls us to live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit by obeying all that Jesus commanded us to do. We need to live differently once we've come to know Christ than we used to live before we met him. And number six, and I love this one. We're headed for the end of history. Jesus is coming again for his church, and we need to be ready. Churches aren't preaching that nearly enough these days. Well, as I teach on creation today, you're going to see these convictions bleeding through. And these six that I just talked about, I'm not forcing them on you. I'm just asking you to give me a hearing today as I open up the word of God. Well, there are two primary texts in the Bible on God's voice through the universe, God's voice through creation. I can only handle one of them today, but I'm going to take you to the other one found in Romans 1 to set it up. Romans 1, verses 18 through 20, follow along as I read. Many of you are familiar with this, but it's a good reminder. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. It is clear from this passage, that God has spoken to everyone in the world clearly about who he is, his power, his divine nature. He didn't do it in a subtle way. He put it right out there, if you will. He billboarded it. And Paul makes it clear in verse 18 that people who do not hear that voice are willingly suppressing the truth in some level of rebellion. To be quite frank with you, the doctrine of evolution that has been spawned on the world since the mid-19th century is the suppression of truth in unrighteousness and an attempt to silence the voice of God in creation. And Paul says that those who suppress the truth of creation and the nature of God are without excuse and under his wrath. And my friends, that is not a good place to be. Due to time constraints, as I said, I can only deal with one of the major ones, so we're going to go today to the clearest passage on this voice of God to the world through creation. It is Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. Pastor Chris already read that. I would invite you to open your Bibles or the Pew Bible if you don't have a Bible, and that is page uh, 456, and you can follow along as I preach. That would be an edifying thing for you to do. Well, Psalm 19 is a great psalm. It has two powerful voices, verses 1 through 6 and then 7 through 12. 
Verses 1 through 6 is the first voice. It is the voice of the universe. It is the voice of creation. And the second voice is is taught in verses 7 through 11. It is the law of God. We didn't read that one today. It is the written word of, of God, the Bible. Theologians have given special names to these two voices. The voice we find in verses 1 through 6 of creation and the universe is called by theologians special revelation or general revelation. And special or that is general revelation or natural revelation that is, is the voice of God that speaks to people everywhere throughout all the ages. And this is the message of general revelation. Creation speaks clearly to all people of every age that God exists and that he's the incredible and mighty God who made heaven and earth. That is general revelation. And that is the voice of God without words. It's the voice of God through the universe. The second voice represented is called special revelation. Special revelation is God's communication to man, the divine truth of who God is and how he has acted in history to rescue mankind, culminating in the saving work of Christ on the cross. And the essence of what we have in the Bible is therefore special revelation. And if we didn't have the Bible, if all we had was creation, we wouldn't know exactly who God is and how he could save us. And so this is special revelation, the voice of God with words. Creation without words, the Bible with words, and we need both of them. And so today we're going to look at this voice of God without words, the voice of God in creation and through the universe. Now, as we're going to see through these six verses, David only has one message. He keeps on pounding it to us, keeps on pounding it to us. And here's the big idea. God is a glorious and powerful creator. God is a glorious and powerful creator. It runs through the passage, and I want to share five things that this voice of the universe keeps on telling us about this glorious and powerful creator. First of all, The voice of the universe tells us that God exists and that he is an incredible creator. Let me tell you the reason, the major reason God created the universe. I hope this might be new to you to help you reframe some things you might be thinking about. The universe is God's number one way of telling us that he is great and mighty. And listen. He could have created the universe with the earth and the planets and a few million miles around it, and that would have been phenomenal enough. (laughs) But God went way overboard. He created incalculable space. And he wanted us to realize without a shadow of a doubt how big and phenomenal he is. Listen to what David says in verse 1, and I paraphrase it. The universe shouts that God exists and that he's an unfathomable being. The galaxies, stars, and planets herald that he wonderfully created them. And so the heavens are there to tell us 
how great and glorious and powerful that God is. And all that's out there is continually telling us how wonderful he is. Now, remember back in David's day, they didn't have telescopes. What they knew about the universe was by the naked eye and some of, of, of their mathematics and no light pollution. So they could see a lot that we can't see today. And they were marveling at what God did and what the heavens declared back then. And the reality is, everybody got the message back then, including idolatrous pagans. They understood there was this great creator somewhere. Today, I mean our generation, we have seen the secrets of the universe that no other generation in all of history has ever seen. And with the satellites and telescopes that we've sent into space, the voice of God today is like speech on steroids. Talk about the heavens declaring the glory of God and his handiwork. Well, listen to excerpts from this book called Universe. At the dawn of the 21st century, we find ourselves bathed in the light of a celestial panorama that extends for 80 billion trillion miles in every direction. We now push towards the hazy limits of our vision, a realm where our perspective encompasses billions of light years. Here we can see the large-scale structure of the universal landscape. Massive conglomerations of galaxies cluster like grains of dust to a celestial view of cobwebs warping space with their gravity and projecting kaleidoscopic bubbles of primeval light to our present. Every page in that book blows you away, except there's something you're going to notice in that book. There is no mention of God anywhere. He is not given one ounce of credit. With every page, everybody who reads that book should be screaming, God, you are great. God, you are awesome. There is no one like you. Instead, they say it all happened because of the Big Bang. Well, you know, I raised four teenagers, and I've seen the Big Bang. It's their rooms. It is utter chaos. And you know, more time doesn't bring it into order. Well, what I'm trying to say is that science and God, listen, are not incompatible. Science, rightly understood, is a description of the nature and ways of God. But science without God is to silence the voice of the universe to all humanity. In my sermon two weeks ago, I told the story about how I got to the top of the Empire State Building. That was such an incredible thing that happened. And I remember that day looking over the city of New York from the top of the Empire State Building. And here is what I said when I looked at that for the first time in my life. I said, 300 years ago, there was a great earthquake and all these buildings began to rise out of the forest and the city is still expanding. Wow. Did I say that? Let me tell you what I said. I said, I cannot believe that human beings can produce something like that. New York City declares the glory of man and its skyline proclaims their handiwork. Why in the world can't we use the same logic and put that on God? 
God did the same thing. Incredibly, though, large segments of humanity are saying, God didn't do this. And it's only been in the last 150 years or so that since the days of the so-called enlightenment that the intellect of mankind has separated the creator from creation, thus attempting to silence his voice through the universe. But friends, David says that the voice of the universe has one main message that cannot be silenced by man. It is an incredible God made a remarkable universe for the purpose of telling every human being how incredible he is. And that's the first thing the universe says. Here's the second thing about the voice of the universe. The voice of the universe is constant. Look at verse 2. Day to day pours out speech. Every day, without exception, the voice of the universe keeps on speaking and speaking. It never stops. In fact, the Hebrew word where it says it pours out speech is the word ever gushing. Every day, the creation ever gushes that God created it, and he wants the world to know how wonderful that he is, that it is constant. It cannot stop. And not just the day. David continues... And night to night reveals knowledge. The moon, the stars, the planets, they keep on speaking every night. And David says, they keep revealing knowledge. Knowledge about what? Knowledge about the greatness of the universe and therefore the greatness of God. And my friends, with every new satellite... Every new telescope that's more powerful, the voice of the universe keeps on revealing more and more knowledge about this wise, all-powerful God. And the more we know, we know so much today that what the ancients knew they could only put in a symbol. And if any age of people ought to say there is a God, it is our generation. Well, what's the message of this constant day and night time voice? It's the same message I've been saying. God is glorious, and he is powerful, and he's the creator. And while a majority of academia today tries to silence the voice of the universe, listen, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every night, the voice of the universe keeps on speaking, there is a creator, and it never stops. But friends, it's not only academia that tries to silence the voice of God of the universe. It is also our pace of life. We are so busy in this modern world. We stay in buildings. We travel in cars and trucks and planes. We're constantly on the go. We're always looking eye level. And if it weren't for the media to tell us every once in a while that there's going to be a meteor shower or an unusual full moon or incredible eclipse and some comets, we might never look into the nighttime sky and take a look at this incredible knowledge of God that he's revealed. So, if you don't take some time to contemplate God, if you don't take some time to look into the nighttime sky and let it speak to you, if you are so busy and will not slow down, you don't have to be a, a, a scholar who says there is no God to create. All you have to be is too busy. And you'll stop hearing the word of God. And so I'm saying to you, find time to get off the fast lane and look up and behold the heavens. 
In 2003, I went moose hunting. Went all the way up to Ontario, flew in on a pontoon plane to a very remote place, had an Indian guide, and for six days we canoed up the, the, the river, and I got on my stand, and this Indian guide, who was my personal guide, called for a moose all day long, eight, nine hours. Never did see a moose. But do you know what made the trip worthwhile? I realized there was no light pollution. I realized they turned all the generators off at 10 o'clock, and there was no light to be seen anywhere. And at 2 o'clock every morning, I set my alarm, and I would get up. And I would walk out into a sky like I have never seen in my entire life. It is a dome up there. From horizon to horizon, the sky is magnificent. Here in Canfield, it's like a little ceiling with some pokes of light, you know? you got to get away to see that. And you know what? I moved even as I remember it. Every morning at 2 o'clock, I would get up, and I would look at this, and the sky would tell me how great God is, how awesome he is, and I would worship him at 2 in the morning. It was so incredible. And then I get back to Erie and Canfield, and I'm living life so fast, and suddenly I, I'm not as tuned in as I should be. And so I just want you to know the busyness of life will silence the voice of God too. Don't go there. It is constant if you'll let it be. His voice. Well, there's a third aspect of the voice of the universe we see in verse 3. The voice of the universe is multilingual. Multilingual. It goes to every language. When I was pastoring back at Grace Church in Erie, we had a number of Russians in the congregation, and many of them had fled during World War II. They were refugees, and as time went on, I began over 35 years to have a number of those funerals. And I remember the funeral for Natasha a couple years ago. The first song we're singing, I realized, whoa, we're not all singing English here. And I, and I had to think about the day of Pentecost when what was going on, they all heard in their own language, they understood in their mother tongue. And I thought, well, this is really meaningful. The Russians are singing in their tongue, and I'm singing in English. We all understand what's going on. Do you know that every day is a virtual day of Pentecost in the world? Because Psalm 19 verse 3 says, there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Now there are approximately 6,500 languages that are living in the world today. 6,500, not including the dead languages of antiquity. And the voice of the universe is the one voice, the psalmist says, that speaks a language that can be understood by every person who's ever lived and there has never been another voice like it in history. Everyone hears the voice of the universe without exception. Not everyone is willing to receive the message, but it comes to them nonetheless in their own language. And what's the message of the universe that comes to everyone in their own language every day? It is God is a glorious and powerful creator, and that's what God says to everyone every day through the universe on this planet. Now, the only way a person will not get that message is if he chooses not to believe the voice. He closes to the voice, he will not believe it. And so what you're going to have in those instances 
is you're going to have a person that says other voices are right, not this voice that comes to me. And the only people who believe that the voice of the universe does not come from God are atheists or educated people who reason the voice away to listen to other voices. But you see, even today, the most pagan of primitive societies know that there is a supreme being that created the universe. On to the fourth thing about the voice of the universe. The voice of the universe is all-encompassing, verses 4a and b. See, verse 4 is another way of expressing verse 3, but it goes in a little bit different direction. While verse 3 says the voice of the universe knows no language barriers, verse 4 says that the voice of the universe knows no geographical boundaries or barriers. And the voice still through language and through geography reaches to all humanity, even to the remotest part of the world. Listen to verse 4. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. No one on the entire planet can ever say that God didn't speak to them through the voice of the universe. Now, isn't this interesting what I'm going to say? Jesus said, the voice of special revelation of the gospel will follow the voice of general revelation, the voice of the universe. He said, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, the voice of the gospel hasn't gotten as far as the voice of the universe yet, but on the authority of the word of God, one day the entire gospel will get to all these places the sun and the universe has beat us to. Isn't that interesting? And we're getting ever closer in our generation. In the meantime, every person in every possible location of this world we call earth, hears the voice of God every day through the universe if they are willing to listen. And what's the message they hear? Here we go again. God is a glorious and powerful creator, and by now you've seen that the voice of the universe only has one message, and God wants to be sure that no one misses it. Which brings us to the last aspect of the voice of the universe taught by David in this psalm. Number five, the voice of the universe is strongest in the sun. Many mornings I get up in Canfield and uh, my bathroom is to the east. And so I look and my, my, my bathroom is illuminated with the sun. And you know what I say? Hey, that's telling me that God made it. That's telling me that God is awesome. And every time I see the sun, I'm thinking, whoa, God is incredible. You see, with magnificent imagery, David brings the sun to the forefront in this psalm. And the sun is the most powerful voice of the universe for us. Now, it's not the biggest object we know, but for us, it's the biggest object in the sky by far. It provides both light and heat, and it makes things grow. It can kill things. There's no entity in our sphere that rules our lives like the sun. It's the loudest voice of all. And in verses 4 through 6, David likens the skies to a tent under which the sun moves. 
And in the morning, the bright sun appears as a bridegroom, he says, leaving his chamber for a wedding. Or, he also said, like a star athlete, rejoicing in his racing performance. And this incredible sun goes from one end of the sky with precision and sets on the other end of the sky every day without fail for centuries and centuries like clockwork. Now, there wasn't a single Jew in the day of David that wasn't familiar with the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. I read, God made the two lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. And every time that sun rose and went to its zenith and went on down, the voice told the Jews of David's day, God made me. I will not be ignored. That's the message of the Son. God made me, I will not be ignored. That's the message of the Son. God made me, I will not be ignored. But the message of the Son is not for Israel only. The people God ensured of every nation, of every tribe, of every tongue, that the earth was going to get this brilliant message of the Son every day. And the message, once again, is that God is a glorious and powerful creator. And the problem in the ancient world, people began to worship the Son rather than the Creator. And the problem of our world today is that we worship the educational system that stripped God from science, and we will not believe that God created the world. But God will have the last word because David says, Nobody can cancel the heat of the sun. And so he says in verse 6 that God leaves the biggest hint of all on the warmth of our body that no one can deny. Everybody feels the warmth of the sun. And God keeps on saying, if you don't believe it, just feel me every day. I am the creator of the world. And so the sun speaks to the whole earth every day. God is a glorious and powerful creator. And perhaps you'd agree with me that God has done his job in speaking to the entire world since the creation of mankind. So, let's review. How does God speak to people today? The first way we've seen is through the universe. It's a voice that no one can escape unless they choose to become deaf to it. So, we're left with four options when it comes to the voice of God through the universe. And here they are. Number one, we can listen to the voice and worship the created. We call that idolatry. Number two, we can listen to the voice of the universe and make the stars and planets our guide. We call that astrology. And you can see that in the paper and online every day. People are following the planets and the stars. Number three, We can listen to the voice of the universe and ignore it. We call that enlightenment. Or the last option, we can listen to the voice of the universe and marvel at so great and glorious a God, and we call that worship. And that's what I'm calling you to today. For those of us who believe the truth, what does the voice of God through the universe mean for us? Well, I'm going to give you a home assignment. Homework assignment. It's in in your compass. I'm going to want you to slow down this week enough to contemplate the heavens. 
I'd like you to get a good astronomy book or look at the sky through a telescope or go online and see some pictures. What you saw today was online uh, at an astronomy site. Go out some night if the sun, I'm excuse me, if, if the moon is out. Wasn't that a beautiful moon the, the other night? Uh, boy, I, I was just thinking, oh, Lord, how wonderful you are to make that beautiful moon. Peer into the nighttime sky. If you'd rather fly to remote island in Ontario like I did, you could do that as well. I don't care how you do it. I just want you to do your homework. And as you listen to the voice of God, I want you to respond to five questions. I'm going to go through that. As your teacher today, I'm giving my pupils an assignment. Will you do it? Let me see. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. What does the voice of the universe tell me about the glory of God? Oh. What does the voice of the universe tell me about the power of God? What does the voice of the universe tell me about the wisdom of God? That's where you really start getting in sync. Number four, what does the voice of the universe tell me about the help of God for people who believe in their creator? Listen to me. If God can do all of that power in the universe, do you think he can come alongside of you and help you in your problems? That's how the universe speaks to us as well. And then number five, what response should the voice of God through the universe evoke in me? Well, you have your assignment for the week. Here's how I want to close the service today. I'm going to read Psalm 95, 6, and then I want us to respond if God is leading you in a response. It says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. If you've been touched by the voice of God through the universe today, and if you'd like to respond to how mighty and glorious he is, I would like you to take a knee right where you are. If you feel in your spirit, if you're physically able to do that, I would like you to respond to him right now and just take a knee and bow before him in worship for a moment. Just join me in that if you feel led to do that. Worship this creator God, this glorious God.